Hey folks, Gavin Roth here with episode 16 of the Roth Revenue Podcast. This is the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, where I sit with sponsorship marketing leaders to find out their story, their mentors, their insights, and personal and professional development advice. This episode's featured guest is Matt Afnick, President and COO of the Hamilton Tiger Cats Football Club. Matt was christened around the corner from Tim Horton's field in Hamilton and now oversees, among other things, ticket sales, corporate partnerships, marketing, community, and municipal relations for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Pretty cool journey. In this episode, we discuss Matt's development into one of the top sports marketing executives in Canada, a powerful story of the special connection Ticats owner Bob Young has with the team and the community. We touch on the amazing series of initiatives Matt has been a part of since he joined the organization, the closing of the 84-year-old Iverwin Stadium, opening state-of-the-art Tim Hortons Field, planning for the 2021 Grey Cup, and launching a CPL team, the Hamilton Forge. We go deep into the genesis, planning, and development of of Tim Horton's field, and you can feel Matt's passion for the project. Also really insightful to hear how Matt and his team developed the stadium with fans and partners in mind. Matt shares the challenge and ultimate success of selling a future state to corporate partners. He offers his views on mentorship and the value of surrounding yourself with great people. Matt discusses the sponsorship initiatives that he is most proud of, and the programs that have caught his eye. We cover sponsorship trends and Matt's philosophies, and you won't want to miss Matt's personal and professional development advice. I hope you enjoy, and for more episodes of the Roth Revenue Podcast, follow me on LinkedIn, visit Spotify, SoundCloud, or check out RothRevenue.com. I'm looking across at my good friend, Matt Afnick, um, who I've been chasing down to do this. We were going to do it actually on a game day, which was kind of silly, wasn't it? To yeah, even think about in hindsight, it certainly was. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what we were thinking. Yeah. I came in here with my, with my bag and my microphone and, uh, and, and with this dream of, uh, pipe dream of, of corralling you that day. And, uh, uh, and then you dodged me all day, and uh, and then we just said, "Screw it, we'll we'll uh, we'll find." But we won time. the game. You won the game. You you. We, we, it was we, the Lions. That's and correct. You destroyed we, them. We won it. Won it big. So uh, yeah, Mike. No offense. Luck. Too bad. Too bad. <laughs> so uh, caught up with Maddie, and and we're sitting here at Tim Hortons Field, an amazing um, stadium. If, for those who haven't taken it in here in Hamilton, and we're watching the Forge FC practice. Uh, for the inaugural uh, season of the CPL. So it's a pretty cool uh, backdrop. And uh, thank you so much for taking time, pal. My pleasure, Gavin. Uh, thanks for making the trip down. And uh, for the, the listeners out there, if you hear grunting and <laughs> screaming in the background, it's it's not Gavin and I. It's uh, it's uh, our wonderful CPL soccer, soccer team practicing on the pitch as we talk. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that comes through on my fancy microphone. So um, Matt is, for those of you who don't know, um, and it wasn't that long ago, as last year, got uh, promoted to uh, president and chief operating officer of business operations for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And wow, uh, you know, it just continues this meteoric rise. And but before you jump in and say and 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 you know, stop blushing, I'll give you time to the red to 
to disappear is I got issue. I got beef with the announcement, okay? Oh, dear. So it says here, Scott Mitchell says, your boss says, uh, the CEO says, Matt is one of the top young sports executives in professional sports and has done an outstanding job in every role we put him in. My issue is um, I don't think you need to put young in there okay i think i think matt is one of the top sports executives out there and uh, and you know uh, it's been it's been amazing to watch you um grow and climb uh, we people don't know this but when i was at the cfl and i took over partnerships you were my first deal uh, because matt was working for an experiential marketing agency yep. i think it was match Match Marketing Group, yeah. And you were running the ben, Reckett Ben Kieser, Ben Kaiser Ben Kieser business, and Frank's Red Hot was my first deal, and you were the guy instrumental in making that happen. And then you came over to the Argos, and we just started working closely together, and we've remained great friends. And just to watch you uh, grow and, and be where you are today, it's been awesome. Uh, well, thank you for that, Gavin. And I think we could spend the majority of this podcast talking about uh, you know, yeah. things that we've done together. And I'm yeah. sure those things will come up through the course of the conversation. Absolutely. But, uh, appreciate the uh, the kind words. And, and listen, I think we both know that um, success is often a function of the opportunities that you're presented. It's up to you to seize them. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've been very fortunate in my career to be around great people uh, and been provided the opportunity uh, to be put in a place to be successful. So well I appreciate the the words, but uh, yeah. yeah, let me uh, uh, just rhyme off one last thing before I put this down, but um, uh, because it's an amazing list of things you, you were responsible for. Um, so we're talking um, all facets of the club's business ops, including ticket sales and service, corporate partnerships, marketing, communications, fan experience, guest relations, retail ops, digital and broadcast media, and community and municipal relations. Holy cow. Like, how do you manage your your time? Um, well, I think... I'm, I'm sure a function of it, you've got a great team around you. Well, that's right? where I was going to start. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, um, you know, lots to unpack there. But you become accustomed to, in, in a leadership capacity, in my opinion, um, the focal point is surrounding yourself with great people. And that's often said. I think it's, it's harder yeah, to accomplish. Right. Um, in our situation in, here in Hamilton, you know, and all I can uh, – uh, really relate that that question to is is we're fortunate it all begins with ownership we have in my opinion the greatest owner in professional sports who empowers us and gives us the resources we think we need to be successful hmm. um, is involved uh, to the point that we need him to be involved but really empowers us to to our jobs that flows to our CEO Scott uh, who again is is uh, incredible with regards to uh, making the mandate of the organization clear and empowering us to go go execute upon that. But it's the staff that are here every single day, the leadership group uh, that we've assembled that that I would suggest is a little bit unique in sports in that we have remarkable tenure here and, and we have a leadership group that 
um, is going on in some cases, you know, eight to 10 years in, in tenure of the kind of the same core group. We've added a few pieces along the way, but the real core group has been here for a considerable amount of time. And I always remember our uh, ex-head coach and uh, VP of football ops, Ken Austin, used to have a saying in football that, you know, continuity is a good thing if you have the right people. Mm. And it's not if you don't. And, and I would suggest that from a business perspective, um, you know, we can always get better, but the continuity has led us to a position where all of those things in terms of ultimately the buck stopping with me, um, you know, I have remarkable people in each of those capacities leading those businesses that I'm there to support them mm-hmm. and make sure they have the resources to be successful. Yeah, the, the maybe the enemy of continuity is complacency. And uh, you're right, if you if you don't have... If you have the right people, you'll avoid that. If you have the right leadership, you'll step in and, and squash yeah. complacency. And, and I don't think that our business over the course of the last eight to 10 year horizon would would enable complacency. And what I mean yeah. by that, if you look at the transformation of, of yeah, the business so. and the franchise from closing an 84-year-old facility mm. to moving and running a business in Hamilton, but putting that business on in Guelph 45 minutes yes. up the road and the <laughs> nuance, <laughs> and then returning home to you know the stadium being delayed and having to honestly almost on a daily basis modify yeah. the business to play yeah. at McMaster, then move here before it was finished. Mm. There's all these working dynamics we've dealt with over the last decade that just wouldn't allow complacency to set well, in. And so. if you look... Uh, kind of from today forward, uh, you know, as we watch our, our CPL business uh, about to launch here on April 27th and uh, about two, three weeks ago now, we were uh, successfully awarded the 2021 Grey Cup. So mm. between running the core business, <laughs> soccer coming in, uh, the Grey Cup on the horizon, there's there's no time for complacency. No. So that's, no, that's, that, that's, 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 uh, you're right. that's a benefit to it. To yeah, it's a bit amazing to see the evolution. Yeah, yeah. From Ivor Wynn to Tim Horton's field. Um, uh, alone, right, and everything, but uh, that's cool. And and you 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 uh, I know humbly gloss past because he's a humble guy. The the owner. Um, for those who don't know Bob Young, uh, maybe just talk a little bit about you know him and why why this organization means so much to him. Yeah, I I, I will do as much justice to what is, uh, in my opinion, one of the better. Uh, the, the story should be told more. So very simply. Yeah, we could have a separate yeah, yeah, episode and, and, and on And anyone on listed, and there's Tiger Cat fans yeah. all over the country and all around the world, as, as we well know. Yeah. Um, you can go on YouTube, and, and TSN did a feature as part of the 100th Grey Cup celebrations called Mike is Watching. And it's about a four-and-a-half-minute, extraordinarily well-produced um, uh, story about, about Bob's connection with his older brother, uh, who ended up passing from cancer mm. um, and that happening kind of in the same window of time as uh, Bob hitting his windfall with his uh, Red Hat company. Yeah. And the story, though, is Bob and his brother grew up here in Hamilton and, and his brother was the biggest Tiger Cat fan in the world. Uh, and in that piece, Bob references, I couldn't let my brother pass mm. uh, and his favorite football team pass at the same time because that was in really 2002, 2003. Uh, when the Tiger Cats were bankrupt, so getting goosebumps just listening. Yeah, to, it's it's yeah. so Mike is watching. I encourage everyone to watch it. But but that kind of transcends to uh, that's why. Uh, but the how of how Bob runs this business, he actually calls himself the caretaker. 
He doesn't yeah. call himself the yeah. owner, and he yeah. means that. And what he means by that uh, is, is he views himself to be the steward of this remarkable community institution, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and it's his role to take care of that on behalf of uh, fans and generations of fans. This year, Gav, we'll celebrate our 150th anniversary of professional football in the city of Hamilton. So it's crazy. There's been different evolutions of that. Yeah, and, I was and saying, the nobody would think of that long. Yeah, yeah, and the forming of the modern day Tiger. Tiger Cats was 1950, but but the professional football in the city has been played since 1869. Yeah. So when you talk about stewardship of a legacy brand, yeah. that's what's behind the caretaker thing, which is also a you know a, frankly a positioning for the humility and the the soul and the the purpose of the man. That's yeah, what well Bob's that's about. that's it. You don't have to become um, you know a billionaire uh, and, uh, uh, and 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 be able to. You know, and the lofty status that that entails, and lose your humility and grace and approachability, and that's one thing I've admired from a distance with somebody like Bob is is um, is uh, he's so humble and he's so approachable and uh, unassuming and unaffected, unaffected. You know, so very very cool, and that obviously casts a big shadow positive one and and everybody you know embraces that i think you you know the in your well it permeates the whole organization yeah yeah right? well said absolutely so um so tell the listeners um about your path in sponsorship marketing sports marketing um and and kind of how it how you got to where you are uh, sure. I, uh, so I graduated from McGill University, uh, and upon graduation and, and during my time at school, uh, I, I got connected with Mash Marketing Group through various kind of promotional endeavors uh, and was fortunate enough to receive an offer to uh, join the organization full-time upon graduation. So uh, early on in my tenure there, they were, uh, they were I'd say, early adopters of this business of having brands essentially seek agency representation um, to go out and buy properties, right? So I was very fortunate to be interjected into that early days uh, and and had a book of clients that that included Frank's Red Hot, but also Nestle Waters and, and others. Uh, and we would go around from properties big and small acquiring assets, things as, you know, not small and I'm using quotations for the mm-hmm. listeners, but the, the Mississauga Waterfront Festival all the mm-hmm. way up to the F1 race in Montreal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're very fortunate to, or I was fortunate early days to get a perspective on uh, how brands uh, determine value. Um, how brands seek to make decisions around what they want to be and how, where they want their their, their uh, brand to be visible. So through that process, um, one of our, our acquisitions or one of our, our deals was was with the Toronto Argonauts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am a Hamiltonian. The I was christened in the church that is a, Amazing. a pitching wedge away from this stadium. So uh, my late grandparents would be turning over in their grave that a Hamilton kid <laughs> – um, the Hamilton, but blue. it's a good it's yeah, for, yeah. went to the work for the Argos but for, for the listeners out there maybe it's a good example of, of you got to do what you got to do to get into a very competitive industry Yeah, uh, but more so than that I, I, I was fortunate to have a degree of exposure to a great leader that I know you've worked with as yeah. well, which is Keith Pelly. Uh, so I'll never forget uh, at the 2004 Grey Cup, which the Argos went on to win, and we were activating there with the Grey Cup in Festival Ottawa. in Ottawa. Which was my first Grey Cup with yeah, the league. Yeah, that was yeah. a great Grey Cup. Yeah. Brad Waters and his crew did an amazing job with that. Uh, anyway, Keith said to me at some point over that weekend, why aren't you working for us? And I said, well, you haven't made me an offer yet. And, uh, <laughs> literally, no. So I started the Argos in 05. And it's just – it's uh, it was just such a different day and age, not just for 
our league, but also for the industry, I found, right? It just the level of sophistication that you see in sponsorship today, it was not like that in mm. 2005. Um, it was a phone book and said, good luck and mm. see if you can have some success with this. So I uh, was fortunate to spend five years uh, with the Argos uh, under Keith and, and Brad and other people's like, pinballs leadership. Mm. Uh, but in that tenure as well, I was tasked to run uh, revenue for the 07 uh, Grey Cup, mm-hmm. which you and I obviously yeah. work closely on together. Uh, let, did that project. You and, did uh, an incredible job with that. Thank and, you. Yeah. And 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 uh, through that process, a little known fact was uh, the gentleman kind of doing that job before was a gentleman by the name of Scott Mitchell, my my boss to this day. So mm-hmm. that's actually how I first met Scott. Yes. Uh, so after the 2009 uh, CFL season, uh, Toronto won the Pan Am Games bid. Mm. And with that bid included the funding to build a new stadium in Hamilton. And, and after I got the 07 Grey Cup gig, because Scott came down to be oversee a division of Bob's companies here in Hamilton. So when that Pan Am money came in, Scott and I have obviously had a pre-existing relationship and he called and he knew about my heritage here in the city and said, how do you feel about uh, coming back home and, and leading our sales and marketing effort to uh, build out this facility. So, yeah. you know, we all know that work in the industry, facilities don't get built very often in no. this country and, and let alone facilities of, of this scale and visibility. So the fact that it was in my hometown was just a, a bit of a, a bonus, but I uh, was fortunate to come here in 2010 uh, and, and from compliance architecture to uh, site location to you name it, to ultimately strategy for uh, sales and marketing, uh, kind of led through that process uh, here in Hamilton through about 2010 through 2012. Uh, was fortunate to lead our effort on the naming rights acquisition with Tim Hortons. Uh, all of our major founding partners in the venue and and uh, have been leading the business in terms of the presidential role for about a year, but leading the business really for about two and a half years. Yeah, absolutely. And when you did that, the, got involved in the building and the naming and the, the, the foundational aspect of partnerships, what, what were some of the bigger challenges that, uh, you know, I'm sure there were things like, ven- you know, venue partners, um, uh, food service, uh, you know, operational challenges, what, what you know, delays, municipality, yeah. uh, permits, all this kind of stuff. Were there a couple things that stood out as like, holy cow, I didn't anticipate that would be so challenging? <laughs> yeah, I, I- I, I, my understanding is this is supposed to be a 30 minute podcast, not a four hour <laughs> podcast. So we'll, we'll yeah. dial it on a few yeah, of the most yeah. important. I think, yeah. listen, I think backing up and, and recognizing this is a partnership podcast, I'll, I'll kind of keep the framing yeah. to that. You know, I think fundamentally, uh, for those that don't know the story, uh, the project here was the demolition uh, of the old facility and the reconstruction of the new facility in the same location. Mm. And for those that haven't, the, the, the charm and spirit of being in the middle of a residential neighborhood, um, it's a very unique yeah. positioning. And I think one of the things that we had to undertake and endeavor with our partners from day one was reframing why something new was going to be dramatically different than what was here before yeah. because you're on the same same site. So as we know, typically uh, major facilities are built with access and visibility to highways or yes. transit or you name it. We don't have any of that here. So uh, we left an 84-year-old facility in Iverwin Stadium that you knew well, wood benches, right, no amenity whatsoever to speak to. And as Bob likes to speak to, you know, it was a great place to watch a game and a terrible place to run a business. <laughs> so going from that and going into the partner marketplace to express a vision mm-hmm. of what this new facility was going to be, I think 
developing credibility in that vision was probably yeah. the first thing that That's we very well put yeah. had to do about, well, wait a second, you know, it's in the same spot. So, yeah. uh, you know, we invested heavily to do that in, in renderings and in video and we're, I, I, like I think a little bit ahead of the curve to try to tell that story. And yeah. I'm a firm believer in the importance of, of visuals and video as it relates to telling your story Great point. in the partnership space. So we really, and again, back to, I referenced earlier, Bob, giving us the resources to be successful. That would be a great example because yeah. that comes at great expense. Uh, but we, we viewed that to be necessary yeah. and, and going out to help us uh, kind of tell that story. So, um, you know, the challenge of overcoming that, I think, you know, at the end of the day, we can express our vision toward, but you have to have great partners that believe in that vision. Yeah, yeah. And early days, whether, you know, obviously Tim Hortons and, uh, you know, Scotiabank at the time, Nissan, Coca-Cola, yeah. Molson, these tier one brands that all saw our vision. And, and they were all part of the old. Um, yeah, uh, for the most part. Yeah. yeah and for the just most carried part. over. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that. Says a lot. Yeah, it does. And I think, you know, I, I would also say that in, in our approach to building this place that is pretty commonplace now, but it was mm. frankly a little bit ahead of the curve at the time, mm. um, was the focus on the experience, right? So we went from, um, it's a, a commonly heard and said thing in, in, in partnerships and in sports in general these days, but we made conscious decisions like uh, this facility, what is now Tim Hortons Field is, you know, about 8,000 less seats than Iverwind Stadium was. Mm. We believed that investing in assets that, that. Yeah. Yeah. assets that made it a better experience were more important than jamming as many seats yeah. as you have. So that's why you have things like our north and south end zones have no fixed seats. They're that's about right. being social. They're about people walking and and um, not fixating people into a seat location. Mm. Again, relatively common practice in 2019, a little bit ahead of the curve in 19, or excuse me, in 2012. Another thing I would add is just the... Uh, the partnership stuff is you still see it to this day. We were, you know, I was always of the mind that sports facilities don't have to look like flea markets. And I don't mean that critically. Yeah. I mean that the lesson was, and, and you spent a lot of time around this, the, the, the 2010 Vancouver Olympics of the consistency of brand design and execution, color schemes yeah. and palettes and temp and adopting that with like a French open or us open tennis execution yes, of yes. partnership. So as you can see in our bowl and our broadcast, it's about the tiger cat brand. It's yeah. about the Tim Hortons field brand of which our, our partners are uh, participating with. Yeah, Tim's that. isn't losing their mind because their logo isn't red. Correct. They're, they're embracing that it needs to fit into the overall look. Feel. But again, that was a challenge that we were yeah. we really dug in that we thought that this was important in, yeah. in 2000. So it wasn't an easy conversation. No, absolutely. Right? And I think you try to frame it around, um, you know, there's certain integral parts of an experience when you go into a restaurant or yeah. you go into a branch or you go into Ambiance, a dealership look, that right. Why is a sports venue any different? And well, we so. tried to bring that forward in terms of our partnership. It looks but, beautiful. Yeah. But, I, but so I'm so clean, it, but you need good partners, right? At yeah. the end of the day, you can believe that, but you need a partner to see the light and help you um, support you in trying to execute. But that, that goes to this whole thing mm -hmm. that properties don't do enough of is have brave conversations, right? Uh, they, they often feel they're at a disadvantage in the whole, you know, buyer seller partner property dance. And, and I think if you frame things with, with solid rationale and you, you have the conversation in a, you, 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 you certainly promote your vision, uh, but do it in a humble, um, you know, collaborative way, people will listen and people will buy in more than, 
you know, people, properties probably realize, right? It's having those brave conversations. Yeah. And I think any good relationship and business partnership or otherwise, it's not about you or me. It's about us. Yeah. And well that's said. Right. It, it, it's got to be about us and, yeah. and the shared vision of what we're trying to do here. Um, and, and, you know, we've, we had, we had, uh, it's funny because these are now going back six or seven years ago. This is not that recent, but we, in those days had those discussions, uh, and subsequent from there, we've, we've learned, uh, a lot about how we can create value in this facility for our partners. Um, and that's evolved since the building opened. So, yeah, yeah, you know, well nothing said. is static. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing I want to probe on with this was, and I remember us having conversations, was creating um, assets, right? Like, um, you know, zone areas of the the whole experience that partners would would find appealing because they they are essential to the fan experience you maybe talk about yeah I, of assets and that. i think yes and i think backing up one step is is what we've really built our business around since we got into the facility and figured out how things work and and you know the, this is a product of, of the great design of the architects that put this together um who, but, who, who was involved uh, who? there was a consortium of groups through yeah. the 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 um, um, Pan Am Games uh, consortium, but the 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 builder was a, a company called Week, but uh, uh, there was an architectural firm uh, B Plus H was involved. There was right, a few firms right, involved. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Canon Design was actively involved, but they they designed. Yeah. Point is, what we learned is the usable space in a facility. So Tim Hortons Field, you can see the field of play from 360 degrees around, which if you think about for a second, uh, I can't, I don't know another facility in Canada where you can do that. There's mm-hmm. obviously facilities where you can see it from an end zone or from a concourse, but I think ours is the only one where you can see it 360. Wow. So what we learned very early days is consumers are smart and they figured out that I can buy the less, least expensive seat in the Upper East and stand in the concourse, mm-hmm. stand in the end zone. So rather than try to build um, process and procedure about how to stop that we made an organizational decision to embrace it wholeheartedly Love it. and you can't in this day and age where we're competing for people's and i'm talking That's the consumer it. side yeah. Come uh, on. competing for people's sports entertainment dollars that we're just not in a position to dictate things to people yeah so we went all in to embrace it so we went to our partners and said you know concourse spaces or the like so this facility we want to build those out to support this social experience that 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 is going on here so you know things like the Coors Banquet Bar which is a nightclub feel you can barely hear you can't you know it's it's loud music mm-hmm. it's a party there is 700 people there from the moment the gates enter or mm-hmm. gates open they never go to their seat right <laughs> they're over there partying we have a great craft experience uh with bench brewing for who's a, a craft brewer down in beamsville one i'm very proud of is we have a 3,000 square foot kids playground that we mm-hmm. built in yeah. um, over on the other with our partners at finley law so kids have something to do pinties all of these experiences have been built out uh with the support of our partners and and as we both know gav that you know creating these brand experiences just such an important part of modern sponsorship um you know coors light and molson helping us build out the stipley in the south end zone it's the largest outdoor bar in canada and and you know creating this great beer experience i hear my our friends and partners at Molson in the back of my head. That's what it's all about, right? Mm-hmm. It's about creating a great experience. It's not about signage. It's not about, you know, those are secondary. And, insights. Right? Yeah. Like it, yeah. it's about creating that great experience. So yeah. we're fortunate to have a facility that allows us to do that. Awesome. But that that's at the core of our partnership business. Let's uh, pivot to uh, mentorship. Um, 
have you had mentors uh, that you you want to shine a light on and, and, and well, talk about, or and and maybe you're you're I'm sure you're helping mentor people. Yeah, I, I think that you know, the mentor to me is a very subjective and personal uh, thing because I think there's different ways to define that. Um, you know, I, I think that you're mentored by people that you're around every single day. Uh, you might not know that or appreciate that. But, um, you know, I, I've been fortunate in my professional career to be, you know, from, you know, Bob Young and Scott Mitchell to Keith Pelly and Pinball Clemens and Bradwater. I've been around all these great people that I've taken pieces from. Yeah. I'd also say that a unique part of the partnership business that I've really grown to appreciate is the access it provides you to great leaders outside of your organization. Yeah. Right. Like when you're going into places, big companies that have phenomenal leadership, um, and, and just, you know, people from outside the sports business that you get these insights yeah. and how they think glean, and operate little bits from hundred percent. And, and you know, people like, you know, Paul house and David Klanikin who built the Tim Wharton's business, right? Mm. Like as you know, and for the, those who don't men, know, David is now commissioner of the CPL. Of the CPL right? Yeah. But I, uh, you know, we had no, uh, I personally had no relationship with David, um, prior to going in to talk about the naming rights situation yeah. and, and Paul house, who was the CEO of Tim's at the time, it was, you know, the four of us or the five of us talked about that, but just listening to them talk about business, talk about their brand, yeah. talk about the challenges and opportunities there that to me, that's an element of mentorship. Yeah. And, very organic. You know, uh, totally. Yeah. Or something as simple as like Jackie Ryan, who's, who's been phenomenal to me in my career. And we, we still obviously stay in touch and, uh, though we're not partners here in, in terms of the properties mm-hmm. anymore, uh, just being around her and watching how she responds to people, how she treats people like these to me are all elements of, of mentorship. Justine Fedak would be another one of just, you know, you watch how these leaders interact with other people. I, in my own definition of mentorship, view those to be great and unique things um, about corporate partnerships and the business that you just, you only get that insight yeah. because you're in these companies talking to these people. But well said. to me, the the biggest piece of mentorship is, you know, listen, I'm, uh, I'm uh, rooted in, in, uh, my values of, of the importance of my family and, um, you know, people in my life outside of, of work. And, you know, like if I had to answer the question of who were my mentors, I would, I would say it's my, my grandparents and my parents. Mm. Um, because, you know, I, I believe that success is achieved by having great, you know, kind of, um, influence around you and, and people that show you the right way to do things. And both those people, my parents, and my grandparents that, instilled in me that, you know, you know, you got to work for things and, mm. you know, we're the product of, uh, immigrants from, from Ukraine that came here and worked in factories and my parents worked harder to be better than that generation worked really hard to give me yeah. and my sister. So that, that to me is the, is, is at the root of, the root. you know, you, you show, you know, work is vitally important to all of us, but I really believe that, you know, work is what we do. It's not who we are. Yeah, and, well, and, and that's where I divide my real mentorship. Love that. Love that. And, uh, you know, when I think of you, I was thinking on my drive down today, the, the qualities that come out with you and very much this goal oriented, hardworking person. I mean, the smarts and the charm also resi- thought, I thought of four things, right? This smart, charming, engaging naturally, um, but goal oriented and and uh, and hardworking, and that's instilled by that by by your your family roots, right? And uh, I think ultimately, you know, nothing gets done without hard work, right? You can have um, ideas and vision, but if you're not prepared to put in the work, and that's one thing I've noticed with you, and and it was something I always admired, you know, Keith. 
was somebody, as you say, we both we both know well and and worked with, and uh, nobody worked harder than that guy, yeah. you know. And you 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 worked with him and couldn't help but draw from that right when you were at the Argos. It's great. It's a great. Um example to set and I think yeah. it sets the tone for the organization yeah. I, I just I'm not a believer in um, anything but leading do as I say front. but yeah do as I do yeah and and you know I just think in time inauthenticity comes through in, yeah. in people and process yeah. and and yeah. if you're not about the work and understanding and that's not to suggest that you're too involved that you're obstructing what people are tasked to do yeah uh, but you need to have a sense of what's going on on the ground with your people, how you can support them. And the only way to accomplish that when you have a vast spectrum of things that you're accountable to is, is to work hard at it. I, I, I will give uh, uh, Doug Mitchell, the uh, the still governor of the Calgary St. Peter, Scott's father, I, I, he has a great quote that's always uh, kept with me, mm. which is, you know, no man has ever drowned in his own sweat. And, and I thought about that. <laughs> that. And if you actually think about that, so yeah. I'll give Mr. Mitchell credit for that one because yeah. it's not mine, but it's it's, yeah. it's very apropos of... That's awesome right? for what we're talking about. Let's pivot to sponsorship programs, initiatives. Uh, I'd love to just get your take on one that you've been instrumental on in your career um, and that you're proud of and why. Um I'm going to say... I'm and I'm, I'm sorry to make, you know, to ask you to do one and you maybe might sneak in uh, more, but but it's hard because I know you've been involved for a lot no, of No, no, I, I, I would start with giving you the kudos as well yeah. on this one. I, I'd say one thing I'm very proud of is I, I genuinely believe that you, me, and others yeah. uh, redefined how Grey Cup Festival was delivered when we did it in 2007. Yeah. I think we were the first to try to explore other ways to create value for partners. And again, this word experience keeps coming up, but I just I, I think that's at the core of how you build value in, in uh, brand experiences and partnerships in, in the modern age. Uh, and just the way that we, we rethought yeah. that in 07, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I still think the principles of that um, are rooted in, in, in Grey Cups today, and I can assure you they'll be rooted in our Grey Cup here in 2021. Mm. Uh, but I, I would say without hesitation that, that the naming rights mm. situation here is the thing I'm proudest of. Um, you know, it's, it's documented. Uh, I think from the outside, there's this perception that, well, of course it had to be Tim Hortons. Like, it's <laughs> Hamilton, and the first restaurant was, you know, two blocks from the stadium site. You know, the reality is, and, and Tim Hortons would tell you, Bob and Scott would tell you, know, the, the relationship wasn't great, right, when we mm -hmm. left and closed the old stadium. And that's probably more the property's fault than the brand's fault. Certainly probably was. Um, but we inherited a situation that not just that we had to rebuild the relationship with new people, um, but also that philosophically that was not a business that Tim Hortons was in. Right. Everybody think on. Yeah. Right? They don't need. As, as, they, as, as it was said to me. The exposure and the naming. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, there's a certain um, perception of vanity that comes with naming commitments that some brands are interested in and others aren't. Well said. Um, yeah. at, at that time, you know, it was said to me, every building, every stadium, every arena that's build, been built in Canada for the last 20 years has called Tim Hortons to put their name on it. And the answer had always been no. Mm. They, they had no naming situation affiliation. So you start tasking yourself. And, and listen, at that time... Uh, this project, there was a lot of negativity about the project in the local marketplace because there was a great 
debate about where this facility was to be built. Right, right. And, and it's important to establish that this site, while spectacular, was positioned at that time as the compromise site. The organization wanted to build the stadium down towards the that. UW. Yeah. The city wanted it on the west side of town. It was So there was a lot of noise around this thing. So to go into the market at that time with all of that noise. A lot of landmines, right? Create a lot of complexity. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the path that, that we saw that I, I – I really spent a lot of time trying to understand how these deals get done. And what became pretty clear when you do a lot of the research is there's this um, storytelling and this history of brands doing things in their quote unquote hometowns Mm. that they don't do in other places. Right. And if you look around the landscape, Coors in Denver and Mm. Ford in Detroit and FedEx in Memphis and the list goes on and on and on and on. All of this, you know, the the Mercedes investment in Atlanta because they're headquartered there. So that became clear. So it's like that needs to be the story Mm. from a Tim Hortons perspective and how we tell that like we get it. It's not applicable in other markets, but it is applicable here for for that exact reason. So that would be the project and kind of navigating all of the details and building the value and the vision uh, for them would be the one I'm most proud of. And, you know, um, I just released and we'll find the right time to release this episode. Um, um, I like to make it in a contextually relevant window relative to the the guest. And... um, I was talking with Lisa Ferkel, released uh, the episode recently with uh, her and Lisa's, uh, Lisa calls you one of her mentors and work with you at the Argos and now she's director of hockey sponsorship at Scotiabank. We were talking about the Scotiabank arena deal and, and how it's much more than a name on a building. So before we get off Tim Horton's field... Um, and I, the community aspect is certainly um, uh, the vital component there, the secret sauce. Is there something that Tim's does here that's more than just a brand on a field, uh, the brand on the side of a building and inside a building that stands out and maybe? Uh, well, yeah, I, I think that um, – so the, the answer is absolutely yes. But I think it's important to tell the story of what this facility is because that is what – really intrigued Tim Horton. So okay, you can think good. of most modern, you know, 180 plus million dollar professional sports venues um, aren't required or obligated uh, to service their community when they're not being used as commercial event venues, right? Oftentimes they're dark, they're not used, they're mm-hmm. used for professional purposes. You know, the city of Hamilton uh, owns this facility. Uh, the city of Hamilton invested uh, alongside the Pan Am and provincial government and federal government to make this happen. So the mandate of the city from day one before the facility was, was the location was confirmed was the city's position was it needed to service the community. It needed to service the people in the community. That's what was yeah. at the root of their investment. Hey. So that part of the story, that part of yeah. the essence of the building has always been part of the story. So in going to Tim Hortons to discuss what this is about, yeah, it's about CFL and Thai Cats and uh, ultimately Grey Cups and it's about professional. Even at that time, our professional soccer aspirations were clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really about on a Tuesday night, and I honestly got believe that this is this is one of my favorite things to do. Is you know from four o'clock onwards, from you know mid April or wherever the weather, weather allow. 4 p.m. onwards, there's there's kids out here till 11 p.m. Mm. Right, playing soccer, playing football, and organize not rambling in organized leagues and teams yeah. and you name it. Um, there's free to access community soccer on this pitch all the time. So it's truly remarkable of 
of how frequently. And what are those parents do? And they're standing on the sidelines or in the stands with a cup of Tim's Tim Hortons, coffee yeah. in their and, hands, and, right? But that narrative of it's not about professional use exclusively. It's yeah. about genuine access to love the community. It. That was part of the Tim Hortons. Piece. I love that. And, um, you know, as we talked about it, that this idea of, of um, the brands that are on the side of buildings, right? We just rhymed off a bunch of them. You know, you think of Scotiabank, you think of uh, of Mercedes-Benz, Tim Hortons. None of those brands need brand awareness. So why do they do it? It's often this um, connection with the community that that venue is in that is at the root, I think, of, of all that. And you just articulated that uh, in the case of Tim so well. So well said. Um, so let's then shift to there's so many great programs out there. I love to get you know, influencers like yourself perspective on what, what, what have you admired from a distance from a sponsorship marketing perspective? Um, so maybe I, I would be surprised if this one has come up. Uh, I like far. it. Okay, let's go. Um, don't say P and G's. Thank you, mom, because no, a, no, no, that right no, now is no, in the no, leadership position. No, 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 yeah, uh, yeah, no yeah. disrespect, no disrespect to, to, moms. to that campaign <laughs> or moms or the mother of my children. But, uh, no, I, 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 you've again, experience. Um, I'm, I'm just, I have a keen sense to see those things. And, and especially when those, come up in places you wouldn't expect to see them. Oh, okay. So I would I would say that Buckle a, in, folks. a well it's not that <laughs> Man, okay. the hype. The hype <laughs> yes. uh, is I love what CIBC has done at airports. And yes. this is going back uh, this is going back years, but I would suggest that that's rooted in how do you use how do you give brand credit for removing pain points yes. for consumers. Yes. And the first one popping up was when you had to pay a toonie yes. for a luggage cart. Yeah, come on. When and it's like, like I don't have a toonie. Yeah, I'm late yeah. for this flight. My you know, kids yeah. yelling, like yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's like, damn, I don't have a toonie. I just need a damn And then one day, yeah. you didn't need the toonie. It was amazing. And, and the CIBC logo was yeah. on the front. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I, like, I don't really know what banks have to do with yeah. luggage cart. Oh, yeah. Then it hit me. And now I understand they're yeah. really, right. Yeah. The ease, the convenience. So they've obviously that was like that's yeah. probably going back a decade. Yeah, Since almost, then, they've yeah. evolved into, but it's all the same core principle, right? Mm-hmm. These pods and Muskoka chairs that yeah. they now have at yeah. onboarding. Like again, it's a such financial great feedback on that. It's incredible, right? But just it's it's so simple if you actually take mm-hmm. a step back and think about it. But so brilliant in terms of them identifying that opportunity, yeah, uh, and 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 identifying how can we in stressful circumstances, yeah create or remove a pain point yeah. for a consumer and, and let our brand take credit for yeah, the fact absolutely. that we did that. Um, so there's new, there's tons of those types yeah. of examples well from branded rickshaws to, you know, whatever, you name it. Yeah. But that one to me was the first I saw. So that would be my, uh, my nice. Answer. Yeah. And that was a, a case of a, of a brand uh, and a property in the properties case, GTAA who runs Toronto Pearson and CIBC sitting down and, and smartly just, exchanging thoughts on what are the pain points and where can we help right and and you're right the feedback has been tremendous and that's a a great lesson in what 
sponsors and properties need to do more of is, and right now I have the pleasure of working um, on Pearson's business and, and, and another airport, Billy Bishop, and we're actively having those kinds of discussions. We just walked through there yesterday with a prospective partner, and so much of the conversation is, what are the passengers asking for? What are their pain points? How can we, and it's interesting, I had a quick thing on this. Somebody challenged me on the word pain points because it doesn't always have to be a pain. It could just be a need or an objective, yeah. right, or something. But uh, so yeah. you're right; it's 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 a need uh, or or a pain, and uh, and and those the best partnerships are ones that actually, you know, the brand gets for that. Assault, and, so. and, and the in the in that case, from an airport perspective, the captive audience nature yeah. of the consumer awesome. is also smart from a from a brand perspective. Yeah. But I, I'd say, listen, the, the learnings of that. Uh, there's a few examples here, in the, but we've applied them to our business. We've Good. tried to solve for – there's a couple lounges yeah. on the east well, side. Going to a major sporting event, there's totally. all kinds of hassles and challenges, yeah. right? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah. As we look out over yeah, the good. field, the, the, uh, we are sitting on the west side of Tim Hortons Field. The east side uh, is – it can get quite hot over there when the sun is ah. beating in the middle of the summer. And, and uh, the I guess that would create in some instances a pain point. So we worked with our, our great financial institution, uh, First Ontario Credit Union. They built a full seated lounge over there mm. for people that just, you know, there's no purpose other than get out of the sun to eat whatever, get your kids out of it. So these are very simple branded experiences that yeah. add value to the customer's experience, which in, in our context, the, the paying ticket customer is at the root of the business, right? We and need to get uh, Coppertone now to, to kind of hand out some free sunscreen samples, I'm sure we, right? can, we, we could make that happen. Yeah, all right. That, that one's free of charge, by the way, that, that sponsorship. But, but it's a good example yes. of applying good um, – any property can do this, yeah. right? Apply lessons learned when you ask questions about yeah. things you you know things you respect or things yeah. you witness – I think the lesson in this can be that that you can apply most any of those things to yeah. the property or business that you're working on. Yeah. Of course, it's going to require adaptation to your own specific yeah. challenges and opportunities, but but very much the application of good learnings and good programs in other places can be applied for yourself. Love it, and it makes me think of a question uh, before we we get to the final part. Is um, final couple questions? Is is in the world of sports? I've always thought that there's so many properties and teams and leagues out there so you being in charge of a, of a sports operation how much do you try and learn from witnessing what other sports operations i mean we talked about learning from a non-sports operation but there's so many best practices not just within the cfl mm-hmm. or within the cpl but in other sports you know, in, in, in the EPL, in the NFL, in the NHL, in yeah. minor league. Uh, how do you how do you how do you go through that sea of prospective information and, and best practices? Well, I, I, so to answer the first question, absolutely. Like I, I think you need to be humble and aware enough to understand that you don't have Curious. all the answers. Yeah. Right. Like you don't have all the answers. No. There's lots of great properties um, and great people out there working in the business. So, you know, you'd be foolish to not be aware of that. Um, you know, I think a good example of that is is in the design and construction phase of this. Yeah, there you go. Me and my colleagues spent a ton of time. I think I remember hearing yeah, you guys went and toured other. We, we, we spent, uh, you know. We, of course. 
copious amounts of time in NFL facilities. Hard MLS job, man. Hard job. Hey, tough. At, that, <laughs> at that time, yes. Yeah. Um, but no, lots of time in those facilities yeah. because I, you sure. know, listen, budgets are different, but great programming can be adapted. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give, I'll give, give an example, which is, you know, part of this experience. One of the things we have on ground level here is something called the the Care Caretakers Club, named after Bob and our, our good partners at Enercare. That's a unique hospitality, premium hospitality experience down on field level behind. So these people sit on the 55-yard line. But the biggest part of the experience is the players, our players, take the the field through that middle club. And that's the value of – well, that's the Miller Lite Club at Cowboy Stadium. I was going to say. Which at the time was Cowboy Stadium. Now is AT&T Stadium. I'm a long-suffering Cowboy fan, so I – So so that Miller Lite Club paved – it was the first. So now you see these across sports, not just football, that players taking the the field, the pitch, the ice, the court, whatever. Yeah. But they were real pioneers in that. And and so you go down and you wonder, you know, we had less than 10% of the Mm -hmm. construction budget of of AT&T Stadium. Uh, What do you – you know, but that's a great example of you don't need to have that good programming can travel mm-hmm. and, and be adapted. R&D, rip and duplicate, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, love it. Um, trends, uh, what, what, uh, what are you seeing uh, from your perspective in the world of sponsorship marketing and this dynamic between partners and, and, and properties? Um, again, I uh, – I think an important, you know, so many people talk about ROIs, yeah. and, and 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 I'm, um, while doing more now, I, I it consider gives property myself, property sellers the sweats, right? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but you know, I, I I'm rooted in my foundation in the business and partnership. So while I'm tasked to do more, and I, yeah. we have an amazing uh, group of leaders running the business day to day, I'm still pretty involved because I'm interested. I like it. Yeah. That's how I. Yeah, that's how you and, came and up. And when yeah. you when you um, spend time around it in this model it, it's far more prevalent the need of it can't be about i like i feel it's got to be about show me why mm-hmm. in the modern age but i think how that's evolving and what's important and how we frankly try to approach this is it's really less about returning on investments as much as it is returning on objectives right and, and the need to sit there and say because every brand is going to have different reasons and different objectives to do things and not all of those are rooted in monetary and yeah. or how and much am I selling, selling yeah. or how much am I right they need to be rooted so but by the same token some brands that is exactly what yeah. it's about yeah so the importance of flushing out exactly how are you going to judge mm-hmm. the performance right. of Pause. your investment stop stop okay yeah. Mis- misuse of uh, pet peeve misuse of the term flush yeah you that is flesh yeah. Okay. Because you want to bring it out. Okay. This okay. Uh, somebody taught me this. So I've okay. got a like a coaching moment here. Yeah. Uh, flush it out. You want to get rid of it. Yeah. Flush it out. You want flush to enhance it, out. it. All right. So it's I, just it's going to make listeners. It's I gonna just make made you, a note. It's going to make no. You didn't. But this is going to make you better as president <laughs> yeah. of the Thai Cats. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah. Flush sure you, out. I'm, yeah, I'm flesh a quick out. study. Yes. Flush out. Yes. How are you going to? Two years, four years, six years when we sit down to renew this or discuss a renewal of this agreement, how are you going to hold us accountable to the performance? Without knowing that, you're kind of, yeah. you know, wandering in the woods, if you will, about about what's going to make you successful or not. And yeah. and in that fleshing, 
<laughs> you learn things that make you better about the business, like yeah. that, that make your ability to service the business. Yeah. And because and there's an inherent need to probe and qualify correct. and all that. And, and I would also argue that properties and, and we, you know, again, are, are certainly not perfect here, but what we try to do, that's an annual process, even mm-hmm. if you're in a multi year agreement, because everyone's business in this day and age is pretty fluid. Yeah. So to define might that even be a quarterly process. Correct. It's, it's an ongoing process. No, no question. Right. It's ongoing is, is, yeah. is for sure. So, yeah. so making sure that that becomes a priority. Um, and I hear that more and more from properties yeah. um, and the focus uh um, and the importance of that. So. I agree. And I was an early adopter of the ROO versus ROI. And I know sponsors like to push back on that. And, and, but it, again, it requires a brave conversation. I think as a proper, from a properties perspective, it's just saying we can control only so much of what, yeah. uh, of the journey between, of the, 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 the consumer journey between us and your brand how you price your brand, how if there's a recall, if there's some issues in the marketplace that that get in the way of how many you sell, mm-hmm. um, that's beyond our control. But we can control the the experience you have with our uh, our venue and with our fan base and and the deliverables in the partnership that we agree on, the objectives of the partnership. If it's how many people you want to engage yeah. on game days. And uh, the quality of the service will, and the data capture and all that will will nail that, right? Yeah, so and, and I, I think that that ties into the the ROO versus ROI argument. Totally, and inherently, parts of property selling are are rooted in things that are just more difficult to value. Yeah, yeah. not not just things like associative rights and IP and you know, exclusivities and keeping your competitors out, but you know, things like hospitality. Yeah. How are you valuing that your sales group is yeah. hosting their and top lead performing in exactly. lead like so that's inherently where things that are less um, black and white, if you will, about yeah. the definition. Yeah. That's but it requires it all difficult. of it. The theme is I think it just requires um, alignment and conversations Correct. early instead of trying to retrofit Yep. Late and avoiding it, right? Totally. Yeah, well said. Let's wrap with um, personal and professional development. Um, I'm a big fan of, of how successful people, um, some of their habits, what do they do to be the best version of themselves and to keep growing um, personally and and uh, uh, business-wise, professionally? Um, so maybe just per- – yeah, yeah. Personally, I, I – um I'm, I'm a big believer in routine, the mm-hmm. importance of routine, um, trying to find um, whatever makes you happy personally and making sure you afford time to do that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that becomes more difficult than other times. Mm-hmm. Um, but stay grounded in, in those principles and stay grounded as you, um, you know, uh, move up the professional you know, kind of ladder and mm-hmm. um, things and dynamics in your life change. Don't forget uh, some of those kind of principles that put you in a position to be successful to get there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's uh, that's vital from a professional standpoint. Um, you know, I, I think that kind of on a similar kind of tone, mm-hmm. but you know, don't don't change who you are and what's made you successful as you. Um, become have more responsibility, become more successful. Uh, and for me personally, those are things like you know I just um, I think humility is important. How you deal with people, I think respecting yeah. people's opinions, people's experiences, 
um, is important. I think listening is really important. Yeah. You know, I, I I do love the saying that you were born with two ears and one mouth. So yeah. use them in equal proportion. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So you know, I just genuinely believe, and and I think this is a at the root of kind of the approach to the business, which is I say this very complimentary, but or not to sound flippant. Um, you know, we're not solving the world's problems. Here, yeah. Right. <laughs> like we are a distraction. Yeah. We are a source of entertainment for people who want to escape from the challenges of real life. And it's our job as a business, as an industry to provide that relief, that release. And, um, and, and as such, we need to approach the business that way. And and we, we do. And I often talk about with our staff that we need to take our business very seriously, but not ourselves that seriously. Mm. And, and I, I I genuinely believe that. And I think that when you're sincere and honest and open with people, you're going to get the best out of people, whether you're leading them, selling them, servicing them. Um, and, and I just think that that remaining at the core of, of your belief, both as a person and as a leader, um, are, are really at the core of, of my own belief and development. It reminds me of, uh, saying that, uh, I, I, uh, heard early in my career and I embraced, um, and it's very much along those lines. It's, uh, and I've relayed this to many people when asked for advice is, is, um, when you work somewhere, um, don't take your job, um, too seriously, but take your work very seriously. Um, and that the difference is the job is the, the, the people, the camaraderie, the environment, the place you go to every day, just, just, have fun with it. It can't. Don't let it wear you down. But the minute you are doing work, that can mean writing an email. It can mean doing a presentation. It could be being present or running a meeting. It could mean meeting with a partner. That's your reputation. You take that very seriously. But the rest of it, you've got to enjoy and and uh, and and be a bit light and 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 uh, embrace some levity right so yeah, I think and, we're and very much aligned on that and especially in sports entertainment right? yeah yeah because Come you on, give exactly. up you we're give up you know to do this and do it well there needs to be an acceptance that you're going to yeah. give up other capacity or excuse me other components of your life yeah even if for brief times right yeah, yeah. i can't book a golf game with my friends or my son yeah you got every saturday here. morning because yeah. we did so because of those factors i think it amplifies the importance right. to have a team culture and want to be around but i've seen you your family here right so yeah, you have absolutely. you have yeah. you know michelle and the kids here and and uh and you need to find opportunity to do that. Right? No question. And yeah. even amongst your staff, though, like, yeah. you know, when when before the lights come on and the gates come open, yeah. you know, we're and, and I actively participate in this because I said earlier, like, you know, you need to lead from the front. So mm-hmm. when we have a promotional item to put in the cup holders yeah. that one of our partners has given out and we're putting it out on a July afternoon where it's 36 yeah. with the Humidex and the yeah. sun is baking – yeah. You're having fun. Like yeah. you need yeah. to it's be a team in that. It's a team thing. building, team yeah. camaraderie thing. Awesome. So. Matt, awesome. So much fun talking to you. Thanks for doing this. And always good to have you in the hammer, Gaff.